Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today we have a crazy nuclear revenge story against someone's own parents. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my tasty revenge to my place of employment. In the story of our careers, Richard was the self-proclaimed puppet master, pulling the strings with a toxic blend of power and manipulation. As he paraded around the office with an air of superiority, his double life as a married man engaging in affairs was a poorly kept secret. But what set him apart was his penchant for photographic evidence of his escapades, proof he couldn't resist showing off to his colleagues. Don't ask me, I found it hard to understand how it was possible for people like this to exist. And then there was me, Mike. I'm the guy who never wore a suit to work. With no formal education beyond high school, I'd earned my stripes in a world where practical skills and adaptability were worth their weight in gold. From restaurant gigs in my teens to a stint in sales, I'd seen it all. My real talent, though, was my knack for handling everything from forklifts to bulldozers. Licenses? I had them all. It was my way of consolidating what I lacked in formal education. Together, we were an odd couple, the manipulative boss and the blue-collar guy. I know I should have known better since I was familiar with his traits, but you cannot really blame a guy seeking validation in a world where people would constantly remind you of your lapses and what they considered the right education. Richard knew exactly which strings to pull to get me where he wanted, so he dangled a tantalizing carrot in front of me, a new job opportunity that sparkled with promises of grandeur. It was a chance to leave my mundane routine behind and step into a role that seemed tailor-made for success. I couldn't help but be excited. The prospect of something bigger, something greater had my hopes soaring. I envisioned a future filled with challenges that would push my skills to new heights. A desk job where I'd finally ditch the overalls and hard hats. I could enter the white-collar lane over the growing, depressing blue. It was a good deal. But as the days turned into weeks and the initial excitement began to fade, the truth slowly revealed itself. This golden opportunity wasn't all it was cracked up to be. The promises Richard had made were nothing more than empty words, luring me into a trap of false hope. The main problem was that the once-promised timeline had stretched beyond recognition, and the grand vision began to resemble a fading mirage in the desert. My suspicions grew like a relentless storm on the horizon. The whispers among us, the employees, painted a grim picture. It seemed that the company had been less than forthcoming about their intentions. The grand move we'd all been promised was slowly but surely unraveling, revealing itself as nothing more than a charade. Shockwaves reverberated through the ranks of the workforce. Uncertainty hung heavy in the air as we grappled with the realization that the future we had envisioned was slipping through our fingers. What had appeared to be a golden opportunity had turned into a dubious proposition, leaving us all with a bitter taste of betrayal. It wasn't really about not getting the opportunity for many others like myself, it was more like we questioned why he had to lie to us. We were just fine without the hopes of the candy, so why promise us a pack of them? The company's true intentions remained shrouded in mystery, and the delays only fueled our growing suspicion that something sinister was afoot. 
Little did we know that this revelation would become the catalyst for a remarkable journey of revenge, where we'd unite as a formidable force against the company's web of deception. My career had taken a nosedive, leaving me feeling like a pawn in Richard's manipulative game. Disappointment washed over me as the realization hit home. This wasn't the path to success I'd envisioned. It was a step backward, a move that would test my resolve and push me to my limits. In the cool, calm recesses of my mind, I knew that my journey was far from over. I was determined to rise above this career setback. It was evident that I needed to turn the tables on Richard and the toxic workplace that had ensnared me. Yet, our so-called boss was determined to keep me on board. He spun a web of soothing words, painting a picture of a brighter future. Don't worry, Mike, he'd say with a smirk. We've got your back. He made those grandiose claims of my pivotal role in the company's success, the kind of flattery that could lull anyone into a false sense of security. But behind this facade of his slick words, I couldn't help but feel a gnawing sense of frustration. It was a feeling that clawed at my insides, a nagging doubt that promises were nothing more than smoke and mirrors. His reassurances did little to ease my growing skepticism. I struggled to accept the current situation. A demotion from my previous role as a production technician to a mere forklift supervisor. It was a slap in the face, a step backward in my career trajectory. His repetitive attempts to placate me only fueled my reluctance to play along with his charade. Deep inside, I knew that something had to change. I couldn't continue to be a pawn in Big Boss's manipulative game. It was time to set the next course of action, to make things right, and I knew just how to do that. Quietly, like a chess player positioning his pieces on the board, I began to gather the eight colleagues who had tasted the same bitter concoction of frustration and deceit dished out by our boss. Discretion was key. We couldn't risk tipping our hand too early in the game. Each member of the team I collected had their unique motivation, fueled by their own individual frustrations. There was Sam, the forklift operator who had seen his hard work overshadowed by the ineptitude of others. Rachel, the administrator, had grown tired of the constant chaos caused by the company's questionable decisions. Mark, the HR representative, had witnessed firsthand the unethical practices of the higher-ups, and the list went on, each one with their tale of disillusionment. We met in hushed conversations during lunch breaks or in the shadowy corners of the workplace. As we shared our stories and frustrations, it was evident that the need to set this right began to form without being told. It would have been hard to trust that each one of us was aboard with the plan and wasn't a snake for our boss, but we built it through shared experiences and common goals. Apparently, nothing united humans more than the need to shun evil that jointly torments them. It was then that we hatched a plan, a daring scheme to escape the clutches of the company that had betrayed us. We decided to apply for new jobs, but there was a twist. We'd use each other as references, ensuring that the higher-ups remained blissfully unaware of our collective escape plan. The decision was made with a sense of determination that bordered on rebellion. We knew that our actions could have consequences, but we were no longer willing to be pawns in Richard's silly game. Our plan was set into motion like a well-oiled machine, each member of the team executing their part with utmost precision. It began with the meticulous process of applying for new jobs and creating references that would bolster our chances of escaping the clutches of our current workplace. We adopted a cautious approach, leaving no room for suspicion. 
Each member of the team applied for jobs in different companies and industries, carefully selecting positions that match their skills and ambitions. The process of crafting the perfect resumes and cover letters became an art form as we highlighted our strengths and downplayed our current roles. References played a pivotal role in our strategy. We used the mutual trust we'd built within the team to vouch for each other's abilities. Sam, the forklift operator, would sing praises about Rachel's impeccable organizational skills, while Mark, the HR representative, would laud Mike's leadership and problem-solving abilities. It was a web of interconnected references that we hoped would go beautifully unnoticed by the boss and this in his good graces. Emotionally, the struggle was real. Leaving our current workplace, despite its toxic atmosphere, was not without its share of heartache. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. We'd invested years of our lives into this company, and the decision to part ways was bittersweet. The familiarity of our daily routines and the faces of our colleagues tugged at our heartstrings. Yet we knew that this was a necessary step in our quest for revenge. The emotional turmoil served as a reminder of why we were doing this. To break free from a place that had betrayed our trust and stifled our potential. As we submitted our job applications and awaited responses, the tension in the workplace between all of us grew palpable. Rumors swirled and the higher-ups seemed increasingly uneasy. Of course, we didn't know why or what made them uneasy, but we were aware of our actions, and we feared that they had gotten wind of what we had done. Finding a job wasn't as easy as I'd hoped it would be. Despite my experience and skills, it seemed like the job market was playing hard to get. I sent out countless applications, tailored my resume a dozen different ways, and went to more interviews than I could count. But the offers were scarce, and the competition was fierce. It seemed like a harsh reminder and justification for why Richard could do what he did. I could have thrown in the towel at that point, given into the frustration that often crept in when yet another rejection email landed in my inbox. But that's not who I am. I've always been the type to tackle challenges head on, and this was no different. Every rejection letter only fueled my determination to prove myself once again. My colleagues from the revenge team were facing their own share of difficulties in securing new employment. Sam, the forklift operator, was struggling to find a job that recognized his skills beyond what our previous workplace had confined him to. Rachel, the administrator, faced interviews where she had to justify her decision to leave a steady job. Mark, the HR representative, had to navigate questions about the abrupt termination of his previous contract. Yet, we pressed on unwavering in our resolve. 
We refused to let these setbacks define us or our future. We knew our worth, and we were determined to find opportunities that would allow us to thrive beyond the confines of our toxic former workplace. It was a test of our perseverance, and each day brought new challenges to overcome. Doubt occasionally crept in, but we clung to the belief that our skills and experiences were worth more than the hurdles we encountered. We were a team that had faced the storm of our previous workplace together, and we were confident that we would weather this storm too, emerging stronger and more resilient on the other side. Remember when I said there was unease in the company? Well, turned out that they had heard rumors that people were about to leave the company, but they didn't know who, and the unease was in their desperation to sniff out who they were. As the clock ticked down to our final days at the old workplace, Richard's desperation became palpable. He knew those who were hurting from his actions and inactions. There was no way to deny that. He had initially underestimated our resolve to leave, thinking that a few stern words and empty promises would be enough to keep us on board, but he had sorely miscalculated. He made a series of frantic attempts to retain not just me, but the entire team. He scheduled multiple one-on-one meetings, trying to sweet talk and cajole us into staying. He promised promotions, pay raises, and a brighter future within the company. It was as if he had suddenly realized the value we held, and he was willing to offer anything to keep us from walking out the door, but we'd come too far to be swayed by empty words and hollow gestures. We had seen through the facade of the company's false promises and knew that our worth went beyond the last-minute offers on the table. Each member of the revenge team had already secured new employment, and we were ready to move on. In our final confrontation with Richard, we were unyielding in our decision. We declined his offers with the same determination that had fueled our escape from the toxic workplace. We made it clear that we were not willing to be manipulated any longer. It was a moment of reckoning, a stand we took to assert our independence and self-worth. He was stunned realizing that he had lost his grip on us. He had underestimated the power of unity and determination that our revenge team had harnessed. It wasn't that we knew for sure that where we were going would be better, but we knew where we were, and it was evident that nothing was going to change regardless of the promises. Been there, done that. As we had anticipated, the repercussions of Richard's decisions began to manifest swiftly. With our departure, he was left with no choice but to hire less skilled workers to fill the gaps in his workforce. These new hires lacked the experience and expertise that we had brought to the table. It wasn't long before the warehouse started experiencing a series of operational challenges. Mistakes began to pile up, errors in inventory management became a common occurrence, and workplace accidents saw an alarming increase. It was as if the once smoothly functioning warehouse had been thrown into chaos. The efficiency and precision that had defined our team's work were replaced by confusion and disarray. Customers who had once relied on the company for their supply chain needs started to notice the decline in quality. Orders were delayed, shipments were incorrect, and complaints flooded in. The company's reputation, once solid as a rock, began to crumble. But the repercussions of our leaving the company extended beyond the warehouse's operations. Internally, employee morale hit rock bottom as frustration and dissatisfaction spread like wildfire. The new hires, ill-equipped to handle the demands of the job, grew increasingly demoralized. Externally, clients and partners seeking alternatives, unwilling to tolerate the subpar service they were receiving. 
Contracts were terminated and the company's financial standing began to take a hit. The decline in the company's reputation was a bitter pill for Richard to swallow. He had once belittled our skills and contributions, thinking that he could easily replace us. Now, he was facing the harsh reality of his choices. The warehouse that had once thrived under our leadership struggled to stay afloat. For the team, as we settled into our new jobs and watched from a distance, we couldn't help but feel a sense of vindication. As I settled into my new role as a machine operator, a sense of satisfaction and contentment washed over me like a gentle breeze on a warm summer day. It might not have been the career path I'd envisioned when I started my journey, but it was a fresh start and I was determined to make the most of it. The hum of the machines and the rhythmic movements became my daily companions. There was an art to operating them, a precision that I found oddly soothing. It was a stark contrast to the chaotic end of my previous job, where promises were broken and trust was shattered. I had once aspired to climb the corporate ladder, to reach the upper echelons of management, but life had a different plan for me. Here on the factory floor, I discovered a sense of fulfillment I hadn't expected. It wasn't about the titles or the prestige, it was about the work itself, the satisfaction of a job well done. Each day on the job, I was reminded of the resilience I'd built over the years. I had faced career setbacks, deception and betrayal, yet here I was, still standing and moving forward. It was a testament to the strength of character and determination that had carried me through the storm. The friendship and oneness among my new colleagues were unlike anything I'd experienced before. We shared stories, laughed at the quirks of the machines, and supported each other through the long shifts. It was a reminder that true fulfillment often came from the people you surrounded yourself with, rather than the job title on your business card. Looking back on my journey and how it all played out, I can't help but reflect on the lessons learned. I had discovered the power of unity and the importance of standing up for what you believe in. I had witnessed the consequences of underestimating the value of dedicated employees and the impact it could have on an organization. But most importantly, I learned that sometimes the path we envision for ourselves may not be the one we're meant to tread. Life has a way of throwing curveballs and leading us down unexpected roads. And it's our ability to adapt, to find contentment in the present moment, that truly defines our success. My journey has taught me that sometimes the best revenge is simply living well and embracing the opportunities that come your way. However, it might require you to stand your ground and leave where you're being disrespected with your head held high. This is the tasty revenge against my boss and my previous place of employment. I agree a lot with what OP's saying here. Bottom line, if you think a certain direction is your path forward in life, but you find yourself stuck in a position where you're not getting treated with any respect, you're kind of treading water and kind of miserable, don't be afraid to pivot to the next great thing for you. Our next story is why I couldn't stand my parents. It wasn't hard for me to discover the pain that love always carried with it. I'd known not to give my heart out to anyone from a young age. I just didn't think to apply the same principle with any of my parents. I grew up reading romance novels that made me believe that I could only ever be the product of true love. I can't recall a time when I saw my parents act mushy and love around me, but I never doubted their feelings for each other. They had to have been hopelessly in love if they had a child together, right? Wrong. They were both business partners united by the goal of raising their only child, me. My mom was an orphan, 
She and her sister grew up with a particularly nasty aunt. She was love-starved in every way and craved for the slightest attention she could get from anyone. She'd had a serious boyfriend she'd been with for a couple of years before she met my dad, but he continued to hurt her and she couldn't take it anymore. Then she met my dad and decided to end things. They got into what we now call a situationship. They caught feelings, but they weren't anything concrete. They knew they weren't serious about each other, so they never made the false promises that couples of nowadays made to each other. They knew exactly why they were holding on to each other. My mom wanted someone she could talk to and would make her feel important. My dad needed a babe, so his friends would finally accept that he wasn't hung up on his ex. Things worked out for them. There were no hitches in the relationship since there wasn't too much of a commitment for either of them. But they made a mistake. A really costly one. My mom was so heartbroken one night and I guess she thought that she needed some comfort. For some reason, the only person that she could think of was my father. So she showed up unannounced at his door. As a gentleman, he let her in. Things got spicy and I believe you should already know the rest of the story. At first, my mom didn't believe that she could be pregnant. She was on birth control, so she expected everything to be fine, but it wasn't. Her mind had been consumed with worry about herself, her finances, and her family, so she'd missed some doses, which resulted in a zygote. Me. The zygote developed into an embryo, and the embryo into a fetus. I believe it was around this time that she began to get seriously worried. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. A couple of pregnancy tests later, and a consultation with her gynecologist, she finally accepted her fate. Then she spoke with my father. As decent people, they never once considered not having me. I'm sure that they must have been scared as heck, because the surprise of responsibility, but they took it in stride. My dad decided that he'd get married to my mom to save her from the embarrassment and raised shoulders of hypocrites. He also wanted to support his child. My mom needed him around as much as he said he would be around. Her aunt, who was a devout Catholic, would have killed her, not literally, if she had discovered that she had engaged in the temptation of fornification. And she didn't possibly have the funds or the time to raise a child on her own. They got married as soon as they could, which must have raised suspicions I believe would have been confirmed when she started showing. They did their best to make me feel loved and valued. They cared for me like they'd intended to have me all along. And for my sake, they stayed together. But now, I can't help feeling that they looked strained and tired around each other. They managed to keep up the pretense till my early teenage years, when it became clear to me that I'd been living in a fantasy. I'd like to think that they couldn't keep up the fakeness any longer, but maybe I was the one who'd started to see clearer. It wasn't that they started to fight openly or make nasty remarks or anything extreme. I began to notice the little things, like how they sometimes stayed in separate rooms. And when they did stay together, they were strictly on opposite sides of the bed, like a demarcation had been put in place. They rarely ever went anywhere together. When I was younger, we used to have family dinners at nice restaurants. 
but soon when I was taken out on a treat, I was either with one or the other. My mom always referred to him as your father when she was talking to me or your father when she was talking to anyone other than me. He referred to her as Anne all the time. There were never any pet names or actual show of affection. Initially, I thought something had gone wrong that I hadn't figured out. Maybe my dad had cheated on my mom. Or my mom had said something to my dad that she shouldn't have and I was low-key worried about them. That was until I overheard them having a discussion when they didn't know I'd returned from school early. I'd finally made it to the top of the honor roll and I was overjoyed. I rushed to let them know because they'd promised me a new school bag if I could do it, and I had. We all carried spare keys to the apartment with us in case we didn't meet anyone at home. This time, the door was unlocked, so I let myself in. I was going to jump into their room to surprise anyone who was around and share the good news, but I was held back by the heaviness and the voices I could hear from the bedroom. It's okay, Anne. Stop crying, came my dad's voice. I'm just trying to let you know that I wasn't trying to entrap you with any of this. My mom responded. She clearly sounded shattered like she'd been crying for a while. I never said that. I know you didn't. But your mom did. She hates me and she's not to blame. I could have been smarter. I shouldn't have come to you that night. I shouldn't have been comfortable missing those pills. She stopped to sniffle and blow her nose. You don't have to pretend. We could have had better lives. You wouldn't have been stuck with me. I know you regret this too. Note, I had never met my grandparents from my father's side. I have my moments, he said in a calm voice, but we have to keep it together for her. We're all she's got. My brain started whirring. I couldn't even eavesdrop properly anymore. Was I the her? What was going on? I slowly and quietly backed out of the house. Once I was out of the door, I started to run. At first, I was running to the park to get a bit of salvage. But the more I stared at the grass, the more I wanted to get answers. Why hadn't I ever met my paternal grandparents? Why did my parents seem so sad together? What was up for real? Instead of torturing myself with a million hypothetical answers that wouldn't be right, I decided to get the answers for myself, from the only person I knew I could get answers from, my aunt. So I called her and asked if we could see each other discreetly. I guess I must have sounded really distressed because she kept asking me if I was alright and she immediately arranged for us to meet that evening at a local diner. I didn't go home, I texted my parents that I was going to be back late so they wouldn't get worried, then I waited for my aunt. When it was almost the scheduled time, I headed for the diner and sat waiting for her. The waiter had asked me three times if I was going to get anything other than water. I decided that I was going to ignore him if he came the fourth time. When my aunt arrived in a flurry of scarves and jewelry and nails, I'd usually have been excited to see her, but I didn't even have the heart to compliment her new hairdo by the time she sat down. What's up, sweetie? She said, extending her hand to brush mine affectionately. By the time I told her what I could remember from the conversation I'd overheard, Her face had become stiff and solemn. Well, I guess you're old enough to face reality now, sweetheart. But we couldn't possibly discuss that here. She shut the menu she'd been holding. Take me to that park you said you were at. We sat beside each other on the bench that evening as she said words to me that changed my life forever. I had gone through a roller coaster of emotions by the time she'd come to the end. You'll understand much better when you're older, she said, pulling me in for a hug. Your parents did everything they did because of the love they have for you. That's why they didn't let you know. It was all too much for me. 
I couldn't help bursting into tears. Don't cry, baby. I only told you because you're older now and you need to know. I couldn't let you leave with thoughts in your head and no clarity whatsoever. Thank you, I managed to whisper. No problem, love. She took me to McDonald's to get me some dinner, then she drove me home. I'd wanted to hide my newly found knowledge, but my aunt would have none of that. Secrets won't do you lot any good. You've got to address it as a family, she'd said. She didn't let anyone question me as I dashed into my room and locked the door, but I knew she'd stayed back for a while because I could still see her car from my room window. After she'd finally driven off, someone knocked on my door. I lay still in my bed so they'd think I was asleep. After like 10 minutes, the knock came again. Then I heard their voices. Leave her alone, Anne. I just want to talk to her, and we both know she's not sleeping. She probably needs to process this alone. There was a bout of silence, then I heard feet moving. The next morning, I found them asleep in the living room, and for the first time ever, my dad's arms were wrapped around my mom. I walked too fast towards the door, and one of the books piled on my arm hit the ground with a loud thud. They woke up suddenly, and it was clear they hadn't planned to go to sleep like that because they plainly looked embarrassed and uncomfortable. I quietly picked up my book and rushed out the door. As I turned to close the door, I saw something that gave me a million ideas and a glimmer of hope. My mom had wanted to get up to speak to me, but my dad held her hand to stop her. Hmm, I thought as I walked to school. There was enough chemistry between them to make them realize that they could love each other if they tried. I made that my mission, to make them fall in love with each other, or at least be happy in their relationship. The truth was that I wasn't actually sad that they hadn't said anything to me or angry that what happened had happened. I felt bad that they were entangled because of me and they clearly weren't happy. I needed that to change, so I started to scheme. When I got home that evening, I had a series of speeches from the both of them about how much they loved me and they don't regret having me. I was barely present throughout the talk. My mind was far away, scheming. It seemed like my mother's vulnerability was a great way to make them closer. I just had to get her to be more open with him, and nature would do its work. I didn't do anything drastic, but I made them feel like I was getting sad or depressed about the situation, which led to my mother being extremely distressed, which led to her confiding in my father, which led to him consoling her, which led to sparks flying. It wasn't immediate or anything, but they started to get close to each other. It's funny how they'd been living together all those years, but their hearts were miles apart when they really could have had something great. Soon I started to get obvious. I asked them both to meet me at a really nice restaurant, and I never showed up. I really hoped that my plans weren't futile because they could have just returned home without getting the message, but they didn't. They returned late in the night with gigantic smiles on their faces, and they were actually holding hands while they came up the stairs. Yes, I was spying through my window. My dad turned to face me as I came out to greet them and make an excuse for why I wasn't able to show up. You think you're really sleek, don't you? He said, chuckling. I feigned innocence. I have no idea what you're talking about. Is that right? My mom said, smiling. And together, with no warning, they actually carried me onto the couch and started to tickle me at my weak spot, the bottom of my feet. They'd clearly planned the sabotage before they came home. Then my mom got out a gift they'd gotten me, a necklace with the words Daughter of the Year engraved on it. I broke into tears, this time happy ones. Then we had an actual talk about everything, one where I was present and I told them how I felt, well, a part of it, and they told me how they felt. After that, everything was pretty much rosy. 
I actually started to feel like I had a family that I was a part of. That is, until I found out that they were still pretending for my sake. I didn't mean to snoop around or anything. My mom had left her phone on the kitchen counter beside me when she received a WhatsApp chat from my aunt. Mom, I called out. Aunt Maggie sent you a text. It says, I couldn't complete that sentence because my heart broke into a thousand tiny pieces. And it said, you can't keep this up forever. She's almost an adult. She'll soon figure it out if you and your husband cannot love yourselves. Let her know. There's no point in raising her hopes for nothing. I quietly put my phone down and waited to see if she'd heard me. There was no response, so I figured she hadn't heard anything. I walked down my room as if in a daze and sat down on my bed. I couldn't even explain how I felt. My heart was shattered and I felt terrible, but I couldn't do anything about it. More lies. That was all they were going to give me if I confronted them. It wasn't fair. Hadn't they learned anything from the last time? That night, at the dinner table, I couldn't pretend to be happy. I tried to eat, but a single morsel of food couldn't travel down my throat. I tried to smile, but it felt as fake as it was. And all their lovey-dovey nonsense was making me nauseous now that I knew it was pretense. I made some silly excuse about how I was exhausted and went up to my room. Even there, I couldn't rest properly. I cried repeatedly throughout the night, and by the time I'd woken up, I'd made up my mind. I couldn't stay with them any longer. I needed to leave as soon as possible for the sake of my mental health. I couldn't stay around them. I couldn't stand them. I knew it would hurt them if I left, and that was exactly what I wanted. But where to? My first thought was to go to my aunt, but I scrapped that. She was way too reasonable. She'd have let my parents know where I was. I didn't want that. I wanted them to be left in confusion just as they had done to me. I wanted them to suffer, at least for a little while. Then it hit me. I was going to stay with my best friend's older sister, if she'd have me. My best friend's sister, Priscilla, had made enough to move out of their house and now had her own apartment. After a long time of pleading and explanations, she finally gave in, but she said she'd only keep it a secret for a week. So I took some of my essential stuff and clothes for a week and snuck out of the house early that weekend. I was surprised that I didn't receive any calls in the morning, but towards the evening, my mom texted to ask when I'd come in for dinner. I didn't reply to her. Much later, I started to receive more and more calls from them. I took out my SIM card and turned off my location, so that even if they tried, they wouldn't be able to reach me. My best friend continually fed me with information about how broken and desperate they felt and was totally overjoyed, but when I'd heard they contacted the police, I decided to show up. I didn't go back home because I felt sorry for them. I returned because I didn't want Priscilla to get into trouble. They tried to fuss over me, but I wasn't having any of it. After the whole chaos died down, I told them that I was tired of their lies and I now wanted to stay with my aunt. I never forgave them and they couldn't do anything to keep me with them. I think it's unfortunate that the whole relationship was totally blown up here, but I can completely understand where OP's feeling utterly betrayed that they would rather give OP this false sense of hope and allow them to come crashing down yet again rather than just facing the truth as this fractured family. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.